GM friends, and welcome to the future of gaming. You are listening to our weekly blockchain gaming roll-up. We have myself, Nicola Vreke, or Nico. We have Philip, Phil Collins, and then we have Devin Becker. And today we're talking about, first, this random crypto bro VC that gets exposed by people who know games on Twitter. Then we have Gala Games' Grit, which is the first NFT game on the Epic Games Store. We have Oxalis Games that raised 4.5 million in the seed round uh, for its game Moonfrost, which interestingly included Supercell. Um, so th this was their first financial involvement in a Web3 project. And then if there's some time left, we're talking about Solana Ventures, $100 million fund to fund blockchain games and DeFi specifically targeted at South Korea. Quick updates on the FogDAO or the future of gaming community. Um, it's been growing fast, um, way faster than I think any of us expected. We thought, like after a week, we'd have you know twenty people hanging out. There's more than a hundred now. A bunch of applications. Um, we are getting so we want to keep this community quite tight because I believe if you have a, a Discord with like five thousand people in it, it's very hard to you know have constructive conversations, know who's there, right? Um, and so, you know, if you want to join, it's probably better to join earlier rather than later, because I, I feel like we're going to get more strict um, with applications as, as time goes on. Um, and then, yeah, if you're already part of the community, thank you so much. Um, you know, we're trying to do this together. If you have suggestions um, for this or other content we can create, just let us know in the Discord. All right, let's dive in. First, yeah, maybe, how are you guys doing? Like, okay, the framing of this, it's 7 a.m. here in, in Europe. I wake up early. I'm here. And then the boys, it's, it's in the evening on Thursday for them. Um, Phil, how are things on your side? Doing well. Uh, more of the same. I think it's it's uh, it's crazy to see how crypto really doesn't sleep. I, I see so many founders taking calls between the hours of 11 p.m. and 4 a.m. Mm. Um, I always try to avoid it because I feel terrible when that happens. But um, yeah, no, things are good. How about you, Devin? Good. Just, just super busy. Like, uh, you know, the, uh, the bear market, it definitely doesn't mean hibernation for crypto right now. So there's <laughs> so much to do it in a good it way, right? Time. Like, yeah, yeah, let's just, let's just keep like pushing forward uh, until we hit the cliff, you know, and then yeah. at least we had a good time until we fell off. Right. <laughs> exactly. I see, uh, by the way, Devin is this person where, you know, if he reads something that he is remotely interested in, he'll like start writing a book like on, on discord just to, to like keep the conversation going. And he was very silent in our discord this week. So it has been a busy week. Uh, we can confirm. Um, so yeah, let, let's dive into the news. So this first thing, it was a quite a, uh, a spicy week for me. And the funny thing is Devin didn't even realize that all of this happens. He doesn't spend enough time on social media. So, okay, let's, let's talk about this, right? Um, what happened? So two weeks ago, I posted a, um, a piece and I'm actually just looking at, I, I want to read the piece so we can, um, I can't find it. Uh, I've shared it. So my post was fire. All right. So I'm uh, I'm I'm reading the post that I that I wrote. Then I'll tell you what I why I wrote it, and then uh, we can go into um, our thoughts, and I can also uh, share my learnings. So my post: the year is 2030. It is a rainy Saturday afternoon. You've just finished mining 30 obsidian ore, playing Crypto Crush Saga, a match three mobile game. You open up the Elder Chains online and feel a rush of excitement. Your buddy from school has spent the last two years becoming a master blacksmith, and he has agreed to turn 10, 10 of your obsidian ore into an obsidian battle staff, a huge upgrade over the mithril mace you've been wielding for the, for the last weeks. 
It'll take him an hour or so. Or so. So in the meantime, you hop into Clash of Guilds and use the remaining obsidian to upgrade your town hall to the next level. That should keep your village safer now. You wish you could fast forward time to tonight. Your guild has plans to go for a deep run in the wilderness in old school rune chains. And your prospects of a successful run and some great loot have never been better. All members have been spending the past two weeks grinding for better weapons. And you've agreed, through a vote, to use the guild treasury to buy everyone a new full set of red dragon hide armor. Tonight's objective is to kill the level 128 Frost Giant hiding in the Cave of Sorrow. He has a 5% chance of dropping an Immaculate Orb of Brilliance, of which there are currently only 4 in existence. The orb can be used as a power source in an upcoming space exploration game, and should give your guild a great advantage in reaching distant galaxies first. A 5% drop rate is low, but you're feeling optimistic. In the distance, you hear a faint, Blockchain doesn't bring anything new to games. You shrug and you join your friends in the Discord voice channel. Life is good. So I made that post. Um, I'll tell you a bit why later. But so what happened? A guy, not like a famous guy, he took a screenshot of my post on LinkedIn. And also made a thread, by the way, on Twitter. But that one, like not a lot of people found that one. Um, and he posted the screenshot of my post on Twitter. And that shit went absolutely viral. As in, well... Maybe not absolutely. Anyway, 5,500 about retweets, 45,000 likes, and everyone pretty much was absolutely hating on it. Um, so it's, it, it struck a chord. And let me, let me first contextualize my post, right? why, why I wrote it. I wrote it out of kind of frustration with um, a lot of people who hear the term blockchain and immediately associate it with evil, um, destroying the planet's, bad, only about money, um, these things, right? So this is, this is often what I see. This is often what I hear as arguments or what I see as a reaction from people in traditional games. Um, and um, they also often say blockchain doesn't bring anything new or, you know, th this, this can all be done without the blockchain. And so I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm sick of this. Like, I'm going to describe a a almost ridiculously interoperable future that is highly unlikely to ever exist. Um, but, you know, I strongly believe that if we have any amount of interoperability between games that are not from the same company or same entity or same IP, right, um, you know, then it will be built upon the blockchain. And so I was like, look, th this, this is, I know it's a ridiculous future, but this is an example of a sort of ecosystem where, you know, this is very, very highly unlikely to exist without the blockchain. Like, if this exists, it, it exists on the blockchain. So that, that was basically my post. And so people now took it, and they were like, look, this is what the guy thinks we're going towards. Um, and um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm exposed as a naive crypto bro that thinks that blockchain is the answer to everything. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a spicy week. A lot of people have talked to me about it. I had a lot of reactions. And now my new posts all like have a bunch of haters. Like your post was terrible and you, sh you sh feel terrible and you're a terrible human being and you're going to ruin games for everyone and you're naive and you don't know anything about games. So yeah, that, that was my week. It, it's still going on. I've, um, it's taken more of my mind share than I would have thought. Um, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it, now, now I'm happy. I think it's, it's, it's interesting and I learned quite a lot actually. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of the interesting things here is the fact that it's just such a 
contentious space in general right now. Mm-hmm. No matter what you say, if you're on the blockchain side and, and somebody else isn't, they're going to hate on it. Uh, no matter how ridiculous the, the scenario that you put out there seems, it's just something that people can latch onto as a, mm-hmm. we hate blockchain games kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had, I had somebody comments on one of my posts uh, about your post and being oh, like, nice. no, like, I can't believe, I can't believe you guys are saying this. And, you know, it, it is what it is, is kind of how I view it. We're yeah. incredibly early in a space of gaming that has the opportunity to be really transformative over the couple of years, the next you know decade plus. And a lot of people aren't going to like it right now because we haven't seen everything that it has to offer, right? I think mm-hmm. blockchain gaming has become synonymous with play to earn and play to earn has been synonymous with scams. And so we have this very narrow view of what blockchain gaming is. And I think as we'll discuss in some of the other topics we're, we're going to hit on today, blockchain gaming and traditional gaming are ultimately going to converge, right? And the blockchain aspect is going to be dropped off in terms of a descriptor of the game. Mm-hmm. And it is just going to be gaming. And I think over time, if blockchain is successful, it will be a great tool that improves user experience. But we don't have to t- talk about it every every day or every every hour. And we don't yeah. have to have viral posts about how much we hate Nico's idea. Um, so it, I think we'll, we'll get into this more today. But I think it was a uh, an unfortunate reality this week. But the way I look at it in this space is, you know, if, if, if no one's angry, you're probably not in that interesting of a, of a space. So it's a, it's a good, it's a good time to be in blockchain gaming. And I'm just generally excited for, for everything that's to come in this space. So Devin, what what are your thoughts? You can't go viral unless you piss people off. That's just the way the internet works. It's a rage machine, man. Like it, if you if you if you everyone agreed with you, you would have got like fifty likes, and that would have been the end of the story, right? Like maybe a retweet here or there, like that's cool. Uh, yeah. But unless you piss people off, it doesn't really matter. It, it's just funny though, like in in relation to that idea of like uh, this this kind of time being like the early free to play sort of thing, where everyone's like mm-hmm. against it, blah blah blah. It's like that that era for free to play didn't really end. So we're not really going to see like an end to that for, mm. for NFT. if it's we're in the same space. Like you want you want proof that it didn't really end. Look at Diablo Immortal. Like people are still very pissed about these monetization expectations uh, when it comes to traditional boxed games, and then you know like the the free to play space or microtransaction space. And then the, it, it just always blows my mind though the way that people uh, react in the space uh, in the sense of like it's a way to milk more money out of people. And it's like, I don't see that actually happening yet because it's all just people that don't mind spending a crap ton of money on this stuff. Uh, but people, I think, I think, think if uh, there's people willing to spend huge amounts of money on it, then the games are only going to exist for those people. Mm. And and I guess in a way, free to play kind of shows that, like that whales do kind of skew the game a bit. Uh, but I don't know, man, like just it, it's going to be so much crazy reactionary knee jerkness for like decades there's, mm-hmm. there's no getting around that, right? It's just it's just a matter of like how many people can you slowly flip, right? Like everyone's always like slowly flip person after person after person that like mm-hmm. goes from you know skeptic to being like, oh, I get it now. Like I remember when like it was a big deal like Ethan Levy getting converted over, right? It was like wow, mm-hmm. like someone went from like totally hating on it to like suddenly now he's like building games for it. You know, it's not a religious thing where we have to convert people, but I think uh, the the arguments against it are usually so ill founded. 
that it's like, look, I, I know you got problems with it, but please come with real problems. Those would be great. Those would be great. If we could actually have a real discussion, like yeah. like the, the whole like environmental issue one is like one that just kills me every time. Where it's yeah. like, really, you think people are still doing most of this stuff on Ethereum and you think Ethereum's not moving off? Before? All right. You, yeah. you, you know what? Stay in your space. You could just be the internet rage machine. And But I appreciate your long piece of fiction there. You really, that was like a, a little mini sci-fi short story uh, yeah. involving crypto. Like just makes me think of like that, uh, Neil Stevenson book from not too long ago, read me or Reem D or whatever, where he had like this fictional MMO in it. And so it kind of reminded me of that. And like a lot of people were like calling him out too, like, that's not how MMOs work and blah, 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 blah. Like just talking down. I was like, dude, it's a, it's a fiction. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. I just wrote it. Like, it's not mm-hmm. real. I didn't build this business to milk you out of your money by having a short story I posted on LinkedIn. Like, calm mm-hmm. down. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that you, that you posted that. And you know what? Like, it's better that you stoke the fires of rage than just be quiet and not really like say anything. Cause I think the people that actually understand what you're saying will be like, cool. Awesome. They're just going to be yeah. the quiet ones. Mostly. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. true. I didn't, I didn't get much support. Um, it was mostly hate, but I did get a bunch of new followers. So I guess either, either they're just there to hate on my future posts or they maybe, you know, don't think I'm, I'm, I'm ridiculous and stupid. Yeah. And I mean, part, part of the, Part of the issue is, you know, we're talking about the future every week here, right? And we're not always going to get it right. And not everyone in this space is, is going to be acting in good faith. And there's going to be really bad examples of blockchain gaming over the coming years. And mm-hmm. it's just it's it's easy to get, get lost in those because that's what gets picked up in the most attention right now. Because this is yeah. definitely still a period of building. And that period of building is going to go on for years, right? It, you can't make a great game in, in 12 months. And mm-hmm. I mean, really 12 months ago is when the... the hype cycle really began yeah. and so you know we're, we're, we're going to speculate on a lot of things we're not going to get everything right and yeah. maybe we'll take some heat for that and and that's okay right i think we're, we're yeah. playing the long game in this space and and hoping for the best and at the end of the day you know we all love games we we want the same thing as the the people that hate blockchain games and i think right now we have a different way of getting there but I mean, either way we're, we're trying to get to the same spot. Could some of the yeah. scammers calm down for a minute, though? Like, give us a minute to breathe and, like, enjoy this space <laughs> a little bit? Like, and stop rugging everyone constantly? That would yeah. that would be awesome. That would really help things. Yeah. I think those are have a large role to play. Those and the, and the, and the Ponzinomic loops are both, I think, you know, at the foundation of a lot of the hate. Um, and so I, get, I definitely get where a lot of these, you know, knee-jerk reactions come from. Um, what I also find interesting, and I think Phil, both you and I, as a as investors, you know, we have to think, you know, five five to ten years ahead, and we have to think about ridiculous scenarios. It's like almost our job to envision futures that seem like they can't exist today, because we need to fund the teams that could potentially bring this, make this true, and and bring this future into a reality. And so, basically, the guess that we're making is, all right there's a very tiny chance that this future will come to happen. But if it happens, then the amount of value created is going to be like 10,000 times the amount of the, of the value that it creates now. And so, you know, we're betting on teams that could potentially make these futures, these ridiculous futures happen. Um, but if they do, then then we did a good job and we get like... You guys are just gamblers. Yeah. I think one thing that one thing that is interesting about venture though is... 99.9% of the time, you're not really betting on incremental progress, right? A lot of the times, yeah. the the outcome that you're really gunning for is so far away from the current reality that we exist in um, that you're just kind of, you're really out there, right? Um, and who knows how we'll get to that point. 
and we don't expect it to happen quickly. You know, you know, at Convoy, we we were investors in in Sky Mavis back a little over a year ago in their Series A, and you know that feedback loop wasn't anticipated to be as quick as it was. And mm-hmm. when we invest in other you know peers in this blockchain gaming space, we're not assuming that 12 months from now it's going to have the same same reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this truly is the long game, and we we do have to look deep into the future, which is again why you know. There's bumps along the road. People adapt. People grow, and that's how we that's how we do get to those outcomes that that change the industry. So, mm-hmm. I want to one day have a conversation with some VCs and maybe like four people um, with from different VCs and just talk about how we look at a project. Um, so essentially, you know, one of the frustrations I've been having is you make an investment, and the problem is traditionally as a VC you make an investment and you don't know whether it's doing well or or bad from a like you can't put a price on what you invested in until an exit or maybe a markup, like a follow-on round. And so now you invest in something and like, you know, a month later, you know exactly how the market is pricing your investment. And so you know whether you did a good, bad job. Um, And so my question is like, how are, like I noticed that, and and this is just from my personal perspective. So you make an investment and suddenly like the investment is worth like 10 to 100X as much as you did in, in a few months, right? This is what happened during this, you know, crypto gaming cycle. Did that, does that make your investment a good investment? This is a question I've been thinking about. And my answer is actually, you don't know. Because you should, with every investment that you make, specifically if there's like a public price that constantly, like the, the market is constantly pricing your investment, you should actually always attach a time frame. So, you know, you make an investment and you say, okay, in five years, I expect this investment to be, let's say, worth 10 times this much, right? Very simple. If in the meantime, it already does a 10x, like, that doesn't make it a good investment because you haven't reached your five years time horizon yet because, you know, it's going to go down. That That's what happens, right? That's what happened with all of these these blockchain assets, these tokens. Um, you know, if it goes down by 10, by 10, like it's if it's worth 90% less, it's still not a bad investment because you're, you you made an investment over five years. So that's yeah. my, my frustration and, and I don't know. Yeah, I think the answer would be very different if token lockups didn't exist for investors. If you were able to cash yes. out a 10 to 100x yes. immediately, then I mean, it's hard to argue with that outcome, but yes. fundamentally to align the teams and the investors, they are there. And that's a good thing for, for, yes. the, for, the, for the ecosystem. I yes. think what, what is interesting is looking at some of the, the market caps or fully diluted market caps of projects that are out there today. And you know you might see a 500 to one and a half billion dollar project and the game doesn't exist yet. And you know the way I look at it is like how many billion dollar IPs in gaming are there just alone, right? On one game, not on, a, not on a developer, not on a publisher, just one single piece of IP. Even at maturity, some really good content doesn't re- get there. And so I think it's, it's, it's hard to to look at valuation sometimes and think, okay, this thing that doesn't exist is at half a billion dollars. Like, where does it go from here if it succeeds? If it's a great game, does it move much or is it already kind of at its peak? Um, so yeah, it's, it's token prices are, are a weird, are, they're in a weird place. And I mean, maybe this current market correction or, you know, full-blown recession, if you're looking at it that way, um, will bring it all back towards a more intrinsic value. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to look back, especially when you're locked up and say like, oh, this was a good investment. If the game's not even out, you don't know if you've really found a product market fit and mm-hmm. you're just kind of throwing darts. Mm-hmm. All right. Talking about good investments, one of the investments or the companies that we as Bitcraft invested in was Epic Games. So let's talk about the Epic Game Store. So, I mean, this was a late investment. I'm not going to lie. Like we didn't, we weren't there at the seed, right? Which happened like 20 years ago or something. Um, so 
let's talk about um, Gala Games, Grit, and um, the Epic Game Store. Devin, you want to take this one? Yeah, I mean, it was. It, you you have to wonder how much of this is just like out of trying to like compete with Valve, and how much is just wanting to embrace oh, the future, right? What's happening? What's happening? So yeah, just just to to recap here, uh, Epic Games what made it clear that they were open to the idea of NFT uh, crypto stuff being on the store. I imagine you know there was there was some clear you know some specifics to that. Of course, they were just going to say, oh yeah, everything's welcome, right? But mm -hmm. they did accept uh, a Gala Games game onto the the store that has NFTs as part of it, which is Grit. And it was interesting because Grit itself didn't necessarily start as a crypto game from all indications that it that it pivoted later and then was accepted onto the store. Now, we don't know what point they were talking to Epic, so we don't know like if they were talking to the before or after they decided to have NFTs and stuff in there. So we don't necessarily know how the behind-the-scenes conversation with that went, but we do know that it's been supposedly officially accepted, whereas it was a game that was on Steam previously to go towards early access and then is not now going to be that at least for the moment right unless Gabe Newell comes out and goes you know what that's cool over here too or something like that right like it, that mm -hmm. could happen right because mm -hmm. there's some definitely some fierce competition go between these two app stores where they're uh really kind of fighting for that market share because Steam has had it for so long and then Epic got huge Fortnite money uh from that llama pinata to just spend on everything and everything to just acquire the the internet when it comes to games to try and compete with them to really take 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 a chunk out it. and of course you know uh Epic tries to act like they're doing this out of, um, you know, some total altruistic thing. And there may be some of that, right? Where they're like, we just want to help free gamers from the tyranny of Steam, right? And, like, I'm sure there's an aspect to that. And th they've said a lot of really good positive things, right, that shows that they want to do, you know, good things for the future. And then you ha see their whole battle against Apple and stuff like that to try and, you know, expand out what's allowed uh, in all these stores and different things. And so this is this is kind of part of that, right? Having the NFT stuff be accepted and being really the only store to do so. But at the same time, like they do have their own financial adjust, right? Their own, I'm sure they have their own subtle agenda that's part of this. And some of that is just competition. Some of that's wanting to embrace the future. We know that the metaverse stuff, for example, is a big thing to them compared to Valve, who is more interested in brain computer interfaces, if you listen to Gabe anytime. Uh, and so it's very different interests. And I think that also is playing out as a factor in this. But it's still very interesting to see, like, because there already is like some controversy even attached to some of this where like the NFTs may have had like, Oh, we're using placeholder assets on accident. And there was, you know, it's not a good start. We'll mm. put it that way. But yeah. that being said, like if it opens the door to a few more games and we really get to see how it plays out, whether or not it's good or bad for Epic, it's going to be interesting to us, right? Like something we could watch and see where that goes. And I mm -hmm. don't know if grit's even that great of a game, to be honest, that might not be the mm -hmm. best, flagship game to have on there so i hope it's like there's some more big triple a was like gala did also just announce that battlestar galactica one and personally i think that's almost a better candidate because that looks like a more much more solid product and a, a lot more chance of it of it attracting the audience that uses epic game store where they go oh a battlestar galactica game and they don't think about the nft aspect or whatever they're just like cool a 4x space game with an ip that i know that makes sense for this that might have been a better candidate mm. question so Valve on the Steam store has a large amount of peer-to-peer -peer trading, right? It has a, quite a thriving marketplace. Does, There's proto NFTs, basically. Yeah, exactly. Is there a marketplace on the Epic Games Store as well? I don't believe so. I don't think that's anything they've tried to do. And I, I don't. it doesn't even seem like Valve has really like kept up on em embracing that. Like They kind of have 
left that to really just okay. be like, eh, you know, maybe we're not as big on that anymore. And they never really did anything that was, yeah, that was, that was impactful. It was always very cosmetic and stuff like that. So they kind of, yep. they dipped their toe in and went, the water's, you know, good enough on my feet. Like, I don't really need to get all the way in. I mean, they started to, right? They started to do essentially the idea of NFTs with Artifact. And that was not a success, to say the least. Mm. So, and that was again another situation of like huge backlash from some some areas of gamers and stuff like that. With when it comes to financialization in games, there's like always been a clash, whether that be publishers versus game companies and stuff like that. So that's always been a thing, and that yep. was like an example of that playing out with a, with something that was kind of NFTs before there was NFTs. And so now I'm stuck with all those because they weren't NFTs. I'm stuck yeah. with a huge collection of artifact cards. I can't do anything with right. Yeah. So it's a situation where you do see. The the value in being able to extract outside of the game. Uh, and that was a perfect demonstration of that. Cause had I been able to take those out, I could go, cool. I'll make my own card game using these NFT cards. That's similar to artifact, but I'll make it my own way. And I don't have to worry about, you know, whatever, but then IP gets messy and all that stuff. But the, the marketplace itself has, has just barely evolved since then at all. Like it's still pretty much just, you know, CSGO skins at the mm. end of the day. Do you think they make a lot of money on it? Yeah. Yeah. Off CSGO so, skins at least. Yeah. It feels like, um, you know, Steam is making money on its own marketplace and it would make less money on an NFT marketplace or maybe that's how they perceive it. Or, well, the thing is like if the, the moment they allow for NFT games, then, you know, the NFTs can be traded outside of Steam and so they lose, you know, their their cut, their take. And so maybe because Steam has a um, its own version of OpenSea almost, right? Like a place to trade assets between people. It's not as it's less open for you know peer to peer trading on the blockchain than um, an Epic Game Store because um, yeah I don't know so these are and my also thoughts. just barter and like like object to object you you don't see that anywhere no no market on for NFTs yeah. is doing barter so actually they're doing something different right because it's not uh, you know tokens for items it's just items for items and so yeah. I think that is an, another difference as well that like. You know, obviously, I hope to see that in the NFT marketplace, but Steam was doing something different. And the nice thing is, Steam has actually like figured out, hopefully, over time, a lot of issues with trading in the marketplaces. So they've added different restrictions, different ways of doing things over time from their learnings. But I think they also learned that that they didn't want to go too much farther. Like they had the that Greek economist that they hired for a while, right? That came in, he learned a lot of stuff, did a lot of experiments, and then eventually left. And he did have recent uh, words about NFTs and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, a few months ago. And it was he wasn't like so, super negative on him, but he was just like, I see some of the problems from my mm-hmm. time at, at Valve. I, I learned some things, uh, you know, there's, there's some issues there. And I think I wish I wish Valve was a bit more open about what they've learned. So maybe they could help be more instructive to the NFT space to see like, oh, here's some of the things you learned, especially for barter. Like, because even just negotiating trades, right? Being able to negotiate trades with people has a lot of dynamics to it. That could be problematic. There's forms of harassment through trade requests and mm. um, diff- different stuff that can happen that we haven't really had to encounter yet in the NFT space, or you know, we will likely encounter in the near future. It would be great if Valve could contribute at least that. Uh, learning yeah yeah question do we know about the crypto integration of grit like you know will weapons be on chain characters like what's do we know more about that i know that some of the initial nfts were um 
were like the horses themselves. So it was more of like a cosmetic thing and okay. they were dropping them to they're the first batch was being dropped to attendees of Gala's event right now. So you're getting some, you know, special treatment for being for being at the uh at Blast. the live event in person. Yeah. Um but but yeah, and I think it, it seems to be mostly cosmetic and that is going to be something that's pretty heavily criticized in the news sources, like the ones that picked up some crazy story about a crypto bros uh, random LinkedIn post, um, where they're already they're already just assuming it's going to be a bad game because the yeah. the game design has has crypto as as part of the cosmetic stack. Um, I mean, I think w- what's what's cool about this, regardless of if Grit is a good or a bad game, is just the simple fact that a Web three enabled game is going to sit alongside free to play and traditional paid games, and it's kind of bringing in this new model. And they're all sitting on the same platform uh, once mm-hmm. this goes live. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's already up, right? It's just kind of in the the pre release phase, but it's it's up there. Um, it's also free to play, so they're they're going yeah. together as well. Yeah, yeah, and and so I think. I think that's something that can't be overlooked is going back to like the convergence of blockchain gaming and traditional gaming and how that that line should just fade away over time. I think this is one of those early steps where traditionally a lot of these Web3 games are in the browser and they're kind of off on their own in this fragmented space. Um, it, it is cool to see these all being put on the same platform. And I think over time as these distribution platforms converge eventually that's when blockchain games will have to compete and be able to compete off of the gameplay granted we may be a couple years away from blockchain games that were actually blockchain native and you know designed with some of the benefits that you know whether it's interoperability like like nico's post suggested or you know non-monetary advantages like you know proof of achievement uh and verifying what people did in the game Mm -hmm. um we, we kind of haven't seen the best of it yet. Uh, and so kind of whether, whether grid is a good or a bad game, even if though it's the first game on that big game store, I think it's still a pretty monumental, monumental occasion for the web three gaming space, regardless of what happens with this individual title. Agreed. Good first precedent. Um, yeah. All right. Move on. Next topic. So this is Oxalis games. They raised 4.5 million in a seed round for its game. Moonfrost. Um, this was led by Blowcore, but most notably included Supercell, um, which now has its first financially financial involvement in a Web3 project. So it's like, you know, Epic Games, first game on the Epic Games Store, and now we have Supercell getting involved. You know, w- we might be onto something here, guys. We might not be super stupid after all. Um, I actually spoke to the CEO of uh, Oxalis, Rick. Cool guy. Um, they're, they're a UK-based team. There's like this funny, there's generation, there's like four to five um, very experienced games teams that are all like, that have all raised in the past six months out of the UK, um, all building some quite interesting stuff. Bitcraft's involved in, in, in a few there. Um, anyway, so they're building a um, Stardew Valley-like crypto game. Um, that's as much as I know. Yes. No, I mean, I think that the Supercell point is, is is really interesting here because it is representative of the fact that all of these esteemed and established publishers are at the very least looking into the space and not just looking, but actively considering investment. A lot of them are already there. A lot of them are approaching and, you know, some like Supercell are just getting involved. And I do think a lot of these games will, will love the stamp of approval that having something someone like a supercell in your co-investor cohort and and the signaling that that Mm. provides yes um but just like we've seen so many great 
Web3 native games teams spin out from Riot Games and Ubisoft and the EAs of the world. You know, a lot of the people that built your favorite games, even if you hate blockchain games, they are building kind of the next iteration of blockchain games. And so, you know, when we think about blockchain gaming content quality, I think having more publisher involvement, both from a, an investment and a strategic standpoint, and also just seeing more people from those publishers that have built some of the best content of all time spin out and, and focus on this space. Um, I, I do think there is a, another sign of convergence. I guess that's kind of the theme of this episode is, is the, the bridging of, of these two spaces. And I'm glad, Nico, you were able to, to do us a favor and, and highlight how uh, how far off we are from that happening, but yeah. the fact that it is it is starting. Yes, at my personal peril, I did that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank thank you, uh, one for the team. Um, as we, as which, I, I do wonder if, uh, if if Supercell have any right to kill the game if it, if it doesn't look like it's doing well in soft launch, right? And then it pops some champagne if it doesn't do well. I just kill mm. it. Yeah, I, I, I do wonder though. Like, it, so with with companies like Supercell getting involved. Let's say the game just turns into a total train wreck disaster, right? Is are they just going to be turned off from doing Web three, or are they going to be able to go? Oh, we've you know we've seen games just not do well before. We've seen things not work out. We're fine with that. Like, how comfortable are they with the possibility that this is not going to turn out well for them, and still be able to have enough risk appetite to do it again? And that's that's what I worry about with like first time big investors is like the space isn't super mature enough yet. To like always be confident that you're just like, oh, cool. You know, it's like the way mo mobile games have been, you know, pre IDFA or whatever. It was like a pretty good bet a lot of times to, to, you know, fund a mobile game, especially if, if you had enough data to go, yeah, this will probably do well. Uh, whereas like the Web3 space is just, it's so all over the place. When you put money into it, as I'm sure both of you know, it's really a big, like, I hope this works out kind of thing. And I don't know where Supercell is financially to know whether or not this is like drop in the bucket thing to them, um, yep. or if this is like a big, big deal to them. And they're like, really mm. like, hey, mobile's going to die. We need to mm. start like heading towards this direction to be ready for the next thing. It could be that as well. Like it's, it's hard to say without them coming out and saying what their thought process is in it. Like the way you, Animoca, for example, comes out and says like a lot of what they're thinking. And they just had a recent long blog post from, from Yat as well saying some of that. And I think that helps us to put it in the right context. But I think it's still, as you both said, good to see that, that especially mobile uh, publishers are looking towards the future instead of saying like, hey, mobile is going to work forever. Now that things are starting to stall out of mobile, like they are so starting to go, okay, well, what else is on the horizon? So we can at least invest in, in learning, even if we're not necessarily going to win with all these early successes. Yeah, and it's a particularly interesting point too with Supercell because they are a notoriously picky publisher, right? They don't mm. release a ton of games. They are very particular about what they bring to market. And so that can go one of two ways. A, the fact that this is their first Web3 game investment shows that they have been scouting and have just been really picky and you know chose this as kind of their Trojan horse in this race. Um, and the other side of that is if it dies, you know, they're a picky group and they only bring the, the best games to market. So if it hits the market, um, you know, it, it even though it's not necessarily a supercell game uh, per se, it does still carry their name now uh, into into uh, eternity. So mm -hmm. I, I think that the, the pickiness can go either direction there. Um, but I, I do think that it, it is saying something, given how particular they are about the content that they associate themselves with, that they have backed back this horse.
Yes. For, for me, it seems that, you know, this is a $4.5 million, million dollar round. It's led by someone else. I think, you know, how much Supercell, like for them, this was a drop in the bucket in terms of, you know, financials, right? I, for I don't, sure. It's, it's probably max $1 million invested here, which is, is, is nothing for them, um, or not much at least. And so, you know, I think that the bigger thing here is not so much the, the money, it's more attaching their name to this, right? As you rightly said, you know, what if this goes absolutely wrong? Um, you know, there's this almost reputational risk because it is like the fact that Supercell is involved is for me at least like a big signal, right? As, as you said, they're super, they're notoriously picky in, you know, what they back. Um, and so it's, it's really fascinating. I, I think, um, I don't think, you know, from their end, and I don't think anyone thinks that, you know, mobile is going away or that, you know, crypto is going to replace mobile. I think, you know, they're realizing that like the mobile games that they know how to make, like they can, they will be able, like they will be augmented with, with crypto and blockchain, right? I don't think we'll see um, like dramatically new games using blockchain from them, right? Um, the games that, that I'm looking out for, the, the, the edgy stuff, right? That, that's not going to come from Supercell. I think they're going to, you know, figure out best practices from others and just perfectionize them, make them like super smooth, incredible experiences. And it feels like this is, yeah, this is the, the play here. Maybe this is something to help them learn to, to you know, yeah, so they can, get an, they can get an inside view, better understand the space uh, yeah. with something with a project that they believe in. And, you know, then they can see what the result of that is, take the learnings from kind of the inside and then decide whether or not that's something they want to do. And if it is, that they, at least they have a little bit of a leg up. So maybe to them, it was a, you know, $1 million R&D project or whatever, yeah. it, like not a big yeah. deal to them, but, but very worthwhile in terms of uh, letting someone else take a lot of the development risk and mostly just, you know, risking the reputation side of things. But I think even if it goes sideways, by the time it comes out, even we might just forget the supercell was even attached to it just because it's so long at that point. Uh, so that might not be a huge risk to them, like long-term that they're thinking of. But I think in this space, there are a lot of people who are just looking to learn, uh, to learn more about, because a lot of this, when people get involved and they think, Oh, I'll just, I'll just attach blockchain to my game or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they, they learn that it's not that easy, right? There's a lot of complexities that come with it, especially like per design, like sub designs more than others. But it, it, is a, it is a complicated space to get involved with that seems simpler on the surface. And I think uh, getting it early and just learning now will still pay off later, even if you're not planning to build something, say, next year. Yeah. No, and I, I mean, I think people or publishers are going to be very protective of their own internal IP, right? Nobody wants to experiment on your on your existing winners. Nobody wants to experiment on on their own brand in a bigger way. And so this this is an interesting way for a lot of big publishers to just kind of test the waters with with less brand reputation risk. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, are people really going to remember this $1 million check in a few years? If this game's successful, maybe they'll, they'll acquire the entire, <laughs> entire thing. I mean, I guess acquiring blockchain-enabled games, especially if they're tokenized, is an entirely separate conversation that mm. we can have sometime. But um, um, it, it is interesting to see how some of the larger publishers that transition into this space are going to do so while protecting their core IP. And I think that you know, is great for them because it does mitigate risk. But I do think it also does slow down the feedback loop where if you put blockchain into a game that already has an established and really engaged user base, you're going to know if it works or doesn't work a lot faster than if you just kind of put it in on a game that's barely surviving. Um, so it, it, it's a calculated risk. But yeah, I totally agree that, I mean, this is kind of an R&D R &D experiment. And that's not mm -hmm. uncommon for 
in general for for big strategics to put marker checks into complementary offerings and you know buy it out in the future and and just kind of watch it grow or you know use it as a call option to to bring on this capability in the future I guess if you want to see more hands-on one, there's like the Castle Crush thing from Wildlife, basically, where they're actually like taking something that's already successful, uh, maybe not like crazy super self-successful, but still pretty successful, and then experimenting a little bit, right, to see what works, what doesn't. Um, and in some ways, there's more risk attached, right, because you may kind of mess up a game that's already doing well, but there's also in some ways also less risk attached because you don't have to worry as much about making profit off of it so much because you're already doing that with the game. So like, I guess there's some, there's different approaches, right? To trying to learn yep. different ways. Um, I'm curious to see which way Square Enix goes, right? Because they're like a big one that, that like, if they attach it to say Final Fantasy IP, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, it, that could end up finally being the Final Fantasy if they, if they really screw that up. So mm. yeah, you know, sorry, the joke had to be made. Um, <laughs> So, so I just think there's different approaches, and I'd like to see like different people, you know, trying these different ideas out. Like some attaching to, to games that work, some attaching to to new concept games. But I think a lot of like initial experiments probably will be on stuff that they they already think will do well, and not necessarily going like I got this crazy blockchain specific idea. They're not going to take Nico's short story and try and implement that tomorrow. Uh, it's more going to be like let's let's just increment right now. Let's see what we could do incrementally, or let's put in some money in the pot to watch someone else do it. Yeah. I'm upset. Well, um, we'll try to get uh, Ilka, so the CEO on here and uh, just ask him, right? What's the plan, man? This blockchain stuff. What are you going to do with it? Um, yeah. So that's, that's a goal. That's a target. All right. Sure. And then finally, I think, um, you know, we, we can, we have still have some time left to talk about Solana labs. Phil, you want to take this one? Yeah, for sure. So Solana Ventures announced they were doing another $100 million fund for both what they call GameFi and DeFi projects. <laughs> and what's interesting about this one, since they've already done a couple of these, you know, $100 million here, like $150 million on another one, this, this, this fund is particularly focused on the South Korean market. And from, from a lot of the press releases, it seems that that is directly related to a lot of Terra projects that they're going to try to support. I think we've seen a lot of these ecosystem funds come up because it's a great way to acquire projects and acquiring projects is a great way to bring on users. And there's just this massive land grab of all these layer one and layer twos that are just trying to get people in their, in their, in their community. Um, and I think Terra's one of the, the, one of the most interesting and largest opportunities that's out there right now to just, you know, take that money, bring all these developers in and try to uh, continue building out your own portfolio. Um, mm -hmm. so while, you know, a new ecosystem fund isn't particularly new, I think between that specific focus and a lot of just the dynamics of what's happening in both blockchain and broader metaverse in the South Korean market are, are really interesting for, for, you know, the development of the space. It feels like blockchain has a thing with land grabs, right? So we're creating virtual land and selling it. And now there's this land grab on Terra, ironically, um, for all the projects that we're, that we're building there, um, which I would consider it's more like a, a talent land grab. Um, so a few things. So Terra 2, the new Terra, is it GMI or is it then GMI? What do you guys think? Devin looks see. like NGMI based on the, NGMI? Based on the head shake yeah, I no, just got from Terra. Terra's done, man. Like Terra's done. I, the guy's already got, had enough failed projects under his belt. I don't think we need to continue to add to it and just throw throw bad money after bad money. It's it's done, so. Done, so. All right, that's that's clear. Um, then other question I had: Solana. 
right? I like Solana's been going down. What is it like every week now? Um, and it's been it's been problematic. Um, thoughts thoughts there. I mean, I've talked to the engineer a bit, like one of the engineers, and like it's it seems like they they feel confident they can sort these issues out, but mm-hmm. then they keep happening. So I I don't really know what to believe in the sense like I believe they've got good talent, they've got smart people, and you know they 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 want that to be true, but I don't know how true that's going to stay. And yeah. I, there's not there's not outside of Step, and there's not huge games on the network yet, and so I I worry about huge games going on to it, and then it just falling apart. And I hope that's not the case. I don't want to see another terror situation. I don't want people to be trying to pick pick off uh, like vultures like off Solana the way Solana's now trying to do off Terra, right? Like we just get like this vulture chain, right, of people trying to pick uh, off the, the the projects that now are homeless essentially. This this continual blockchain refugee crisis essentially. Mm. Uh, mm. we don't need that, right? So I I do hope that they are able to sort out cuz they they have a different technology. That's interesting. But I I am a much bigger fan of layer 2s. Uh, for a variety of reasons on Ethereum, I think they have a little bit of a, a better future. But at the same time, I think we need competition. I think I would love to see Solana keep it together, you know, do their own thing, build build bridges across, not not be this thing. We're, we're, we're all supposed to be about, you know, distrib- distribution and decentralization. So the more the merrier, right? Like, I think it's good. But at the same time, then you do see all these blockchains setting up these giant funds to go acquire everyone, right? Like, it, it it is kind of funny. It's like, you know, on one hand, like you want them to be like, cool, like let's have everyone go wherever they feel like. And then on the other hand, like money's just flowing to be like, come over here, come over here. Like Polygon's been very aggressive. Immutable has been very aggressive. Solana has been very aggressive. Avalanche has been very aggressive. All of these are throwing money out there, trying to get the, the biggest thing. And, you know, that's how infrastructure is. It's not a surprise, but... Like I, I want to see none of them win completely, right? We want to see it spread out, but enough interoperability, you know, so Nico's dream can come true. Yeah, I mean, we also want to see them not just compete on dollars, right? And this is something that I've heard from a few founders, uh, which is, you know, I'm, I'm getting offers from these different layer twos. And at the end of the day, I wish they would just take that money, reinvest it, make a better product and win <laughs> on product. And like, I don't, I don't need the money. Like the money's great, but like, I need a better infrastructure layer mm. for this to work. And it was, it was kind of funny because, I mean, that's basically what they're saying. You know, compete on product. Don't compete on the developers, dollars. They don't know if the product's good or not. Like, trying to decide a blockchain is super hard. Yeah. Like, so at the end of the day, like, when you can't decide on something, what, what wins? The salesman, right? Like, the, who can convince yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> that, and so that's what it ends up being, right? It's a marketing game. Like, the more competition is there's in, there is in a space and the less ability for the, the customer to understand what the differentiations is and what they should buy, then you start going back to emotional decision-making and salesmanship, right? And that's where this money is going towards the salesmanship towards, uh, sometimes it's just sweetening the pot. Sometimes it's de-risking, right? Like if your project is like a $10 million project and a blockchain is willing to give you $10 million to make it on their chain, like, cool, you've de-risked your entire project. Like Mm. that's, that's a big incentive. Like it's tempting, right? Because if you made the wrong decision, hey, at least it didn't cost you anything. Mm. So, like, there's there's a big plus there uh, yeah. in that these blockchains are then helping with some of that. So it's pro con, right? Yeah, I feel like um, the point that you made, Phil, is there's clearly more money than talent right now, right? And so that's why these these you know these hundred million dollar funds are being invested in projects to get them on um just because like they, they can't find the talent talents to hire with that money so that that's one thing um i think you know 
everyone that's building on blockchain and, and everyone that's running a blockchain realizes how insanely large um, network effects are in this world, right? The more projects, because of this concept of composability, right? Any code that's written um, on your blockchain, any project that, that's written on your blockchain get, can get forward, forked, slightly improved, and then you can have like rapid experimentation, rapid iteration, and then lots of innovation over time. So I think, you know, everyone realizes that. That's also why, you know, there's so much money being being put out there for, for like anything, right? Um, and I've also found that, you know, it's very clear that all of these blockchains are probably doing everything they can um, to like, from a technical perspective, improve, right? So I, th I think they're, they're like hiring engineers like crazy, um, but they're maxed out. And so I feel like the battle that's going on now is, is like is BD, is business development, right? It's like, you know, they're hiring massive armies of business developers to just make sure that all of the interesting projects go, get built on their chain. Um, and I think there we're seeing, you know, some people that are doing well or some blockchains that are doing well, some that they're doing less well. One, one that I'm, you know, one I think that is doing really well is Polygon. Polygon, um, headed by uh, Ryan Wyatt now, um, they're doing like the, the army of like their BD is, is, is crazy. They're, they're really yeah. good at that. Um, they're killing it. One, for example, that is doing less well on, on the business developer side is um, the team behind Starkware. So they're a layer two ZK rollup. They're the technology that's being used by um, SoRare, by Immutable, uh, et cetera. And so they're actually building their own rollup solution that is, you know, open, like an open, open, um, it's going to, it's called Starknet. Um, it's, you know, it boasts some insane, you know, transaction costs as in super low and, and super fast, but the BD is still lacking on their side. So, um, you know, these are two, two, two extremes, um, that I've, I've been seeing. Just let Immutable do it at this point then for them. <laughs> Almost, right? Yeah. 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 I think Immutable is doing well on the BD side, um, as well. Absolutely. Um, all right. Anything else noteworthy that we that we want to discuss, or um, shall we uh, shill the Discord and then uh, tell all of our friends that are hanging out with us there if you have any suggestions um, for things we should like, how we should change this, make this better? Let us know. I mean, this is as much your podcast as it is ours. Um, we're we're all in this together. And then um, yeah, also if you want to help out, if if you have any ideas, let us know. Should we should we start teasing a bit like how we see things? So. Let me let me let me tease a bit the vision, right? Why? I but think, you got to do it in story form. We need we need a story of the future. We need the here. year is twenty thirty. Fogdow <laughs> just developed the 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 layer twenty seven blockchain that's actually as serves as an infrastructure for the metaverse that was envisioned in Ready Player One. Nico plugs in the USB cable into his brain where he connects <laughs> with his virtual avatar NFT that he bought with I don't know. Okay. Um, <laughs> I might be on something. I don't know. Maybe it should. I, you, maybe you this should, yeah, should be. You're gonna have to write thing, that yeah? out, so we can retweet it and all that. Yeah, we're, we're exactly. one story away from having to turn our phones off for a couple of days. <laughs> exactly. I've actually it's the first time I actually started muting threads and muting posts and muting people. So that happens. Anyway, um, yeah, um, um, I think over the next weeks we're gonna tease out more about how we see things. Um, I've been having some cool conversations with projects that I'm like, holy shit, like we could probably use that for our community and, and do something really cool. So um, exciting stuff to be done, um, but obviously not to only us to decide. So um, so yeah, if you wanna help out, let us know. Um, and then with that, yeah, I think we're at. If you wanna join Discord, futureofgaming.wtf, still probably the best URL out there. Um, or at least the URL extension at the end. Um, yeah, let's um, speak next week. Cheers. <laughs>